as our community grows, there, there's so many more, so many more people that um, want to contribute in certain ways, in a range of ways, you know, that need support in certain ways. Um, but to be active in making change can also be a really powerful part of healing, can't it? That's why we're all here, you know, isn't it? And, and you know, some people do need, you know, counselling support or communities to connect with as part of their, their real kind of griefy work and healing process. But to offer opportunities to do, to do stuff, to be advocates, yeah. to tell stories, is also healing that some people really lean towards. And, and I think as our community grows, offering those opportunities to be involved is, is actually what a lot of people are starting to seek. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Sarah Lawrence, Berenice Smith and me, Michael Hughes. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Chores community and our aim is to be a focal point for that community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and give a voice to the issues specific to us. And by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. Now this episode, we get the chance to talk to Sarah Roberts and Judy Graham from Queensland in Australia about some groundbreaking work they are doing for our community. So let's see what it's all about. So so welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, this episode, we have um, two Australians, Sarah Roberts and Judy Graham, who I know quite well, although I haven't met Judy yet. Anyway, that's another story for another time. One of the things I think that... that um, that our community misses out on is all the great work that goes on around the world. So these two ladies have done some great work getting through to the Queensland government. So we thought we'd bring them on the show so that they can talk about their experience and talk about what they did so that those around the world can perhaps get some inspiration from that as well. So without me waffling on, let's meet Sarah and Judy. So Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I, I am I'm landing in 2022 and uh, hoping that this year will be, be you know a little bit. <laughs> we can venture out a little bit more, which would be good. Yes, it will. So so for the benefit of our the benefit of our listeners who aren't Aussies, who are you and what do you do? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um. I'm Sarah, uh, Sarah Roberts. I'm based in Brisbane, in Queensland, in Australia, and uh, I am in voluntary childless. So I, um, as a young woman, always wanted to be a mother. It didn't happen. And I'm now crafting a life um, that's different from what I, you know, had hoped for it to be. Um, and as part of that, I'm, uh, I've redirected some of my community and, and social work skills and counselling skills into um, founding the Empty Cradle, which is a service for women um, who are childless, not by choice. So, and I just wanted to quickly, before we move any further, is just to acknowledge uh, the traditional owners of the land that Judy and I are, are calling in from. 
um, for me, that's the Yagara and Turrbal people of the Brisbane region. So, and I am the Yagan Bay people of the Gold Coast region. So thank you. It's so lovely to be here. Okay, Judy, short turn. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> well, firstly, thank you, Michael and, and Berenice and Sarah for inviting us to speak with you on Full Stop Pod. Um, yeah, I, I want to thank you for your time and the work that you guys do to support and connect our community is, is so important and really valued. So I feel really honoured to be with you today. Um, so me, well, I, I identify also as a childless, not by choice woman. Um, and for me, a range of circumstances led me to being childless. Um, I think like so many of us who are childless and not by choice, our stories are very multi-layered. And, um, you know, although I've spent time grieving and learning and studying and healing, I'm very much a work in progress. So I, I would say that I'm coming to you today from Gold Coast in Australia and um, I'm a single woman who's childless in her early 50s, I live near the beach and with my lovely cat Sasha for company. And I feel really privileged also to, um, to have my own counselling practice where I work specifically with women who are childless, not by choice. So yeah, my practice is called Womenhood and it's, the, the work is wonderful and it's led me to meet some really wonderful people the, the women that I work with, um, the people here today uh, in the, the podcast, um, other members of our community. And, um, and I think also, you know, some of the connections that I've made with um, Jodie Day and Karen at Gateway Women um, has been part of that. And I also feel really privileged to, to be a, a Gateway Women facilitator and um, to, to be you know, have done that training with them and, and be licensed to facilitate Reignite Weekend Workshops, which is where I met Sarah Lawrence. We did that training together, which was wonderful. Um, and also Sarah Roberts, who's here, is, is my wing woman. And so together we co-facilitate mm -hmm. those workshops in Australia and New Zealand. So, yeah, that's a bit about me. You answered my next question, which was, how did the pair of you meet? Um, because clearly from, from your time, very short time so far with us, you're clearly very, very good friends. It's lovely to see your dynamics between you. Thanks, Berenice. Yeah, Sarah and I have been working on a, a few different projects together. And I think it's been, you know, it, it was a wonderful surprise and, and gift to find each other. Um, because, as you know, there's, you know, there's not many... Uh, counsellors and therapists who work specifically with women who are childless or, or people in, in the childless community um, and so to find each other and to be able to support each other and kind of go oh wow you've read that and you know about that and 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 to make this connection has, has been a really wonderful source of support um, we have meetings together with to-do lists and things that, you know, we brainstorm ideas and, and our meetings go on and on. We have to go, okay, enough for today. Let's come back to that. Yeah. That we sounds do. like a podcast planning session. Um, we have these admin meetings and really we, we, we try to do some admin. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely thing to listen to because I think that 
what's come out of just both of your introductions is that you know we go through an awful lot of pain um we we know the pain that the pain might be different but it's a shared pain but from that comes some really beautiful and uplifting friendships and empowerment and i think that's a wonderful thing to to listen to just in this very short time i'm thinking yeah yeah go you that's fabulous and it's very heartwarming thank you so we got we, we asked Sarah and Judy to come along because they've actually been able to do something that I think a lot of people around the world want to do. As I know I'm preached to convert it, but as, as childless people, you know, we feel unseen. We And <clears throat> to, to make us seen, one of the things we need to do is actually get our government to actually recognise who we are. And Sarah and Judy have put some work into that. And we'd, that's what we want to hear today. It's, um, how you did that, uh, how it came along, so that we can, again, as I said in, in the beginning, perhaps inspire others around the world to try it as well. So who, who would like to start about, well, what, what, what is it we're talking about? Because <clears throat> I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna try. You, you ladies will be much more eloquent than I. So um, what is it we're talking about? And, and what did you do? And then we can, we'll go on from there. We worked on, um, it was a submission that we, we put together. I think it was, I don't know, about 20 pages. <laughs> um, uh, that we put into, uh, for the Queensland Women's Strategy. So it was an area of government policy. Um, and one of the focuses, um, what they were doing is they do a, often strategies are like three to five years where they'll go okay let's write a government policy document and then that is often what funding's attached to in terms of um you know it's like a statement from government about their beliefs and what they're planning to do all that sort of stuff um and so we we wrote a submission um and the focus really of the women's strategy this time was really to look at uh stereotypes of women and how that impacts on their well-being and so judy and i did a bit of um, chatting about that and, and the main stereotype we were concerned about was the idea that that um, that motherhood equals womanhood and so what we did is is we had a look at the strategy but we also used it as an opportunity to um, to build some links with with the policy officers you know at the Queensland um, at the women's unit um, and also just to, to really put the issue on the agenda and to really raise it in their awareness. Um, I think one of the things that, that both Judy and I really, really focused on was um, really to kind of raise that visibility, but also to really ask questions to government to say, hey, this is, you know, in some areas, 20 to 25% of your adult population. How are they doing? Like, how are they faring? Do you have any idea across their lifespan what their specific issues are, what their concerns are, what their well-being is? Um, and, and so, what we did is, is we put together a paper that was really looking at um, really kind of going back to basics, to actually going, how well is the community doing? Um, what do we know? What don't we know? What are some of the key questions? Um, and then just framing it then in terms of, of some suggestions that we came up with, um, are just some recommendations around uh, for the Queensland government to consider in terms of responding to women uh, in our community. 
Yeah. So that was that was kind of the idea of it, wasn't really, Judy? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think that that was our agenda, wasn't it, to get yeah. childlessness on the agenda, and because it's not on the agenda in policy for women at the moment at all, certainly in Queensland or you know other Australian states. So, um, I mean, Sarah actually had a, a conversation, you know, with um, you know someone in you know who is working on this the women's strategy and to actually put voice and statistics to. Um, who we are as a community and what are some of those issues and you know the woman in government had hadn't really thought about that a lot and didn't have an idea about what was happening so it just seemed like such um, such a timely opportunity to put something I think not just to have the the verbal conversation but to put something in writing which meant that we could follow it up so we're not only starting a verbal conversation, but we had made a submission which, when the strategy comes out early this year, we can have a look and find ourselves or, or not, um, but have, have a platform to follow up and say, hey, we made the submission, you know, what can we do? Um, and, and are there opportunities to start talking to government about funding that might be required for support services and, and services that meet the needs of our community? Yeah. Wow. So you're really, what I hear is you're really holding them to account then. It's not just, have you thought about this? It's, here's the paper, here's the stats, and yes, we're going to be following up with you. That's incredible. How, it feels like you've got a real, I don't know, some real power and some real oomph, oomph behind it, for want of a better word. <laughs> you, you, you sound very optimistic, Sarah, and, and, and we want to be that optimistic too. But But I guess it it feels like starting somewhere, doesn't it? You know, because we, we have conversations in our community and our community is growing so much. And and also I think there's there's lots of people who now we're, we're finding each other and having a shared voice so that we can start to do some advocacy work. But when there's an actual strategy that's calling for submissions around um, you know, one of the specific topics was being inclusive and recognising diversity. So, you know, it just seemed like such an opportunity to say we, we are here and when it is a document that's written, we can follow that up. We, we may not have a lot of traction, but we have to start somewhere, don't we? That's true. That was true. And it was, it was actually, it was like a bit of a springboard, really. It was like an opportunity for us to, um, so both Judy and I have, have been doing, um, you know, some academic work and training, both in counselling, but also my work's been in social work, which tends to be, it's counselling, but it also looks at um, the social context of people's experiences. So it's not just you as an individual. So a way of explaining that would be if you, for example, were working as a social worker with someone from, say, an Aboriginal background, you wouldn't just be looking at that person as an individual. You'd be looking at, okay, what is the context, the social context that impacts on your experience? Um, and, and then to really work in terms of social policies. Now, some of our training in social work is around how to you know, critique and respond around social policy. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that Judy and I were really aware of is that, that the research base for our 
experience is actually really quite unformed. And so that was one of the things that we requested was actually to say, or, you know, that we recommended was that that the, the first thing we asked for was that the development of an issues paper, which was to say, hey, how are Queensland women who are childless, how are they faring? And what are their experiences and issues? And what are the research gaps? What don't we know? What are the unanswered questions? Um, you know, for example, in Queensland, we don't have the data on, we know the numbers of women who are childless, but we don't know how many are by choice and how many are not by choice. Um, so we haven't really tapped into that. Um, we also haven't um, looked at one of the other things that we asked for was to look at, um, to look at across the whole of government. So not just to, to look at our individual issue and experience, but to actually say, okay, how is, for example, the housing department, have you considered the needs of childless people or, um, you know, health, uh, mental health, uh, looking at ageing, looking at those different areas of government policy and to really consider how, how are childless people um, faring. Uh, the next thing that we asked for, which was we felt was really important, was um, resources, to, to resources for a political voice, like an advocacy organisation or a political voice to actually speak on behalf of and represent the childless community um, and to actually you know give us a political voice within within government policies and processes um, and certainly there's lots of examples of this where you've got for example disability advocacy organizations you've got um, you know all those range of different social issues there's there's organizations that receive funding and actually give that political voice and input um, we also were concerned about um, looking at the psychological well-being and health of, of childless women across the lifespan. So really having a look at what are the points where women are really vulnerable and obviously men as well, um, but to consider, um, you know, what are the support services and what, what's needed in terms of particularly women as they're grieving and they're coming to terms with, with childlessness. The next thing we asked for was around um, professional and workforce development. So to have a look at of the whole range of people, particularly within government services, to have a look at what are the skills that people are needing? What are the skills, for example, that counsellors and therapists are needing? Um, how do we support them to actually work in a much more competent way with, with our community? Um, the next area was then looking at uh, workplace inclusiveness and looking at, particularly in Queensland, we've got some really major, so there's a big public sector nursing sector, there's a big public sector uh, teaching and education department. Um, so the Queensland government's actually responsible for these workplaces that are so, um, so difficult for women to participate in or, or for people who are childless to participate in. So, so to really consider what are the needs um, of workplaces, both within the Queensland government, but then also to consider across the broader, broader um, workplaces in Queensland. And then the final thing we looked at, which is really based on, we've got a wonderful researcher here who's um, not related to Judy, but Melissa Graham, um, <laughs> who has done, she's done two decades of work looking and she's from the child-free space. That's where she kind of derived it from, but works a lot with both childless and child-free people, um, looking at social inclusion and looking at, so she's got really clear 
you know, evidence and is published a lot academically around the way in which people without children are socially excluded. And um, so we've, we've, you know, we've looked at recommending either campaigns or ways in which, um, you know, we could actually look at um, destigmatizing campaigns, I guess, around. So they've done things like, for example, within, say, mental health or disability or, for example, human rights campaigns. But really looking at how could we craft public awareness campaigns that are about, you know, raising the profile and the issues and experiences for our community. And, and you know, how do we build to be more inclusive um, and connected community where, where our needs are really considered? So that's kind of a summary, really, of what we, we spent quite a bit of time nutting that out, didn't we, Judy? <laughs> Which was really cool. Wow. I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's amazing because it's it you think I you think about kind of a few parts of it so I'm involved with gender and diversity and a little bit in the UK and a very top level view in being part of a, a, a committee for this and it's amazing how childlessness gets completely just knocked off that it's not really considered to be an issue but actually it is but what comes across to me from what you've just said is that it's how this this issue feeds into so many different things. Yeah, it's like a little thing. Okay, this is the state that we find ourselves in. But actually, like you said, the training—that's just one thing I can think of. That it must be universal, and I see it come up in a lot of our communities in Gateway Women, and some of the conversations that we've had with Katie when we were talking about um, equality in the workplace and that recognition. Um, about how you make it inclusive to people who don't have children, whether that's by childless, not by choice or by child-free, about being inclusive about that and how people turn political language. There's a whole thing going on in the UK at the moment about um, the um, fuel crisis. Our fuel bills are going up and um, one of the past political parties here is talking about equality for families and the use of the word family is kind of annoying a few people because you kind of already know what that definition of family entails, but actually it does include us as our families too. But it's the language, it's so much and your document, your paper feels like it's it's taken this word and this state and you've really sat and thought, right, okay, it feeds into this, to this, to this, to this, to this, to this, and what are you going to do about it? I just, I think it's incredible. That's absolutely amazing that you thought of that in such a, a wide reaching way that that perhaps maybe we as a, some of it, I mean, I personally, I'm certainly just going, oh my God, because you forget sometimes, perhaps because we are perpetually in this state, we forget or perhaps we maybe sometimes be dismissive or shy away perhaps from maybe the impact that other people have on our state of mind. We might be perhaps coming to terms with our grief, coming to terms with where we are, but often I find it's people on the outside that don't listen that actually set you back a bit rather than perhaps ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because we we live our lives in a social yeah. context, and so when we are when we are childless, it it impacts on all areas of our life, and that's kind of an a going outward, but it's also the coming inward from the social context into us, isn't it? And and I guess you know in the work that Sarah and I do in our counselling rooms, we hear these stories 
time and time again from from women and we know that, that men are part of this story too but you know that's we know that these are the issues that impact on people's well-being you know that their workplace and and their experience of that and and how they cope with with those triggers and the inequity in those those spaces but you know, how yeah. it impacts on relationships on mental health you know on on how we see ourselves so we we live in a social context and um, we need to address those social policies that impact on how we live so true and I mean, I guess, sorry, I, I guess the thing I would probably add to that is, 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 you know, that we often we have quite an ambivalent relationship in terms of government and it can seem super daunting and, and quite intimidating um, to have a sense of impacting on change. But, but really, um, a lot of the work that we're suggesting is not necessarily work that's going to be resourced in other ways, like either people volunteer to do the work or it's about saying, hey, government we really need some of those resources directed to our community in order to be able to do these really critical and important pieces of work um, and that was the thing that was really helpful when we spoke to um, the head of the, the women's unit is she said look you need to be really clear about what the issues are but you also need to be really clear about what you're asking for you need to be really specific to actually say these are the list of you know like you know, this is our list of demands and and to really to work on that, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of brought me on to what I was going to ask. So what has the reception to it been like? Do you know? Have you been given any inkling about how it's landed? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, I was I was looking up just the, the, the government website and, you know, they're talking about the strategy being um, due around March, I think, this year. So, you know, they will have received a, a number of submissions um, from from the regular players, you know, the people that are already recognised in that agenda. So I guess we get to look to see what's been included in that strategy and, and then we, we put our heads back together and go, well, how do we, what do we do? How, how do we respond? What do we do next? Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll do some, um, as government winds back up, because January they're usually pretty quiet, is we'll reconnect with the, the personal contacts we've made. And, and it's, it's like Judy said, it was, was when we spoke to the unit, they said we've never even thought of this as a lens to even consider in terms of women's experiences. So women's experiences are often around, you know, domestic violence, around race around um you know sexism around a whole range of you know might be parenting and so it was quite powerful even just to to land that that topic and that way of seeing um and, and you know to really i guess encourage women to to do to speak up more in terms of you know when there's opportunities to to have our input whatever the the particular government policy or strategy might be um, one of the things that she said to us, which was really helpful, is you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be fully formed, just tell us, it could just be a letter just to, you know, just to say, hey, this is an issue and just to have import and, you know, this needs to be considered. It doesn't need to be this really well-crafted, in-depth piece of work. It's, you know, it's just about, um, you know, keeping that focus of getting that, that 
that topic on the agenda, that experience on the agenda. Yeah. It feels like it was well thought out, though. It doesn't feel like it was just a dear sir, have you thought about? <laughs> it felt really well put together to me. I was I was sitting there going, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. So, I mean, it's amazing. But I know we don't know how it's landed. And you probably, as you say, you don't know until March. But where do you see this piece of work going, ideally? What, what do you want to get out of it in an ideal world if they're listening? All of those things we asked for <laughs> in, our, in our ideal world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you? I would say one of the most one of the most critical things, and we, we this was really of great value. Was was um, the the, the um, I won't mention her name because because um, I don't have her permission. But the, but the woman that we liaised with. She gave us some really strategic advice in terms of some suggestions for how to, to frame it and how to put ideas together. Um, and I would probably say the key thing is possibly the relationship. So what you're looking for is who are the people that make these decisions? Who are the decision makers? How do I build a relationship with those people? Um, and, and one of the things she said is, is she said, look, a piece of it will be in this strategy, but there's lots of other government policies where, you know, we can suggest to you if there's the mental health policies being reviewed or if the, if the you know, the general health policy or, or, you know, various different policies that it might be really worth you, you having some input into those. And so um, I think the first one is really building that relationship and the connection. Um, I think the second thing was probably also that opportunity for, um, like Judy said, to take those stories from the counselling space, those individual stories, to link some connections together and, and to articulate, the, like the platform really, it was like putting together a little bit of an agenda and a, and a, and a platform. So um, that's probably the next thing. And, you know, hopefully there might be some funding opportunities for some little projects down the track or, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be wonderful if... If at a minimum um, we got uh, an issues paper developed, um, potentially funded or in partnership with with part of this policy unit that looks at women, um, so if there if uh, an issues paper was published which tells the statistics and the stories, the the real life stories of people, and brings that to life, that then that's also something that's again it's published and we can take that to these other policy areas um, you know and it's also in in publications so it can be easily shared with you know others that want to do this work but that that would be a really wonderful starting place and I think when we look to other other areas of social change that that's often been a key where you can go back to what are the issues where are those documents and who's been talking about this so it starts to kind of create that um, a bit of a, a timeline and momentum that you can keep that dialogue, that relationship that Sarah's talking about going back and forth between the players. Mm. Mm. And I guess I'd probably say, I mean, I would agree, absolutely agree that that issue papers would be really important, but certainly the really big issue, and I know that both Judy and Michael are, you know, got, really got your ear to the ground in terms of the childlessness community in Australia and a really hot, topic for us is around aging 
And so really having a think about, and so our state governments um, in Australia are responsible for delivering most of the social services. And so they deliver a lot of the aged care services and they have the public guardian and the public trustee and, and all those, um, you know, health services. And uh, I, I think that's a really hot button issue for us is really around um, aging, but also having a broad based child that's not by choice advocacy voice at both the state. And we've also had discussions about, you know, developing something at a national level that really advocates for our community across the country really is, is, is what we're, we're working towards. Yeah, because one of the one of the interesting things that came out of the conversation when we we've talked about it in the past, Sarah and Judy, is that uh, the thing that sticks in my mind is when you would advise that um, governments want to deal with organisations, they don't want to deal with individuals. And so, yeah, um, that's yeah, and for those who don't know, that's why Sarah, Judy, myself, and a few others are trying to get together to to make a organisation in Australia that can be something that governments can talk to. Much more than that, but that interesting comment about governments want to talk to organisations. So again, for those around the world who are getting inspired by this conversation, that's a, that's a real useful nugget to, to think about too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's part of, um, you know, Sarah and I are probably how we clicked a little bit when we met, you know, our relationship in that we've both um, worked our whole careers working in sort of health and community based organisations. So we, we have a little bit of a sense of how the government funds community organisations and, and has that interaction around accountability for um, for service delivery as well and so that idea of having a, a an organization it can be very much much a grassroots organization but um, that can hold some accountability for interacting with government and if there were funds available to to do some research projects or to write these kind of papers you have to have some kind of body it can be as small or big as you like but you have to have some kind of body for government to be able to work with in that way. So I guess it provides a little bit of structure. I just wanted to let listeners know that episode 18 was about ageing without children with um, Kirsty Woodard, who is part of the, um, who's the consultant on ageing in the UK. And that might be something that in listeners listening to this episode might be interested in going back to. It's episode 18 of the Full Stop podcast from August 2020. So some of that detail might have changed, I think, since then. And I'm sure that they're very, very interested in hearing about what you're doing there too as you say I think it is about collective bodies isn't it and being stronger together it certainly applies I think in our government here too so yeah yeah the other thing I guess as well is that that you know and you guys are an amazing example of this is that the back of the work that's currently happening for us is it's 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 on the back of volunteering it's on the back of people who give up their time whether it's evenings weekends that sort of stuff um, the people who probably are resourced are people who are working maybe as counsellors and therapists in the space. Um, and this is really about saying, hey, 
there need to be some publicly funded dedicated roles that are really working to these issues and and who are really able to progress this agenda for us um and and you know to really um you know really support the work that 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 you know that we're stepping up as a community and doing but it's it's about then there's more resources that are needed to really progress this work yeah that's important and that's about sustainability as well isn't it so you true know, yeah to actually have um uh, a face a, a place a space in the community where um, those kind of services are visible um, and again it's that visibility stuff isn't it you know which I think all of us have felt invisible um, and that our issues have been invisible so you know this is so much about asking um, for visibility asking to be seen but but almost yeah that demanding of uh, services that um, are specific to meet the needs of childless people and respect as well isn't there something in that too being respected being worthy of having an advocate within an official capacity absolutely yeah, yeah. when you think about how many people as you say judy who are doing things gosh the people we've had on the podcast all the guests you Incredible two maybe stuff. i suppose you can think about the suppose the three of us in a way um <laughs> the worst at um imposter syndrome but that kind of idea of that you're giving a voice to people and being listened to and being heard but actually having somebody who actually offers a financial you know we hate to talk about the money thing but actually okay this is a person in an official capacity who's being paid to stand up and say okay this is what we need to do to represent this particular demographic because ultimately when you're you know, we volunteer and we do all of these things behind the scenes, it can actually be quite exhausting to do that sometimes. And we all need that support too. Um, and I've, I was just thinking back to when you said you don't know how it's landed. And that's such a hard thing, isn't it? Um, we felt that with the podcast, you produce an episode, it goes out, the very first one we did. And you think, did anyone actually listen to that? And it's a horrible vacuous state to be in, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, very nice. And I, I get that it's so much like that when you take the first step in anything, mm -hmm. isn't it? Your first yeah. podcast, it's sort of like, oh, what what happened? And who listened? But then you do the next one and you, the next one and you start to build, don't you? And people start to talk to each other about the topic and, oh, have you listened to the podcast? You know, it's like that in anything where you take those first steps. And I guess you know, advocacy work or getting noticed by government and policy change, you know, you take the first step, but, but there's going to be more steps to come. Mm. It's but it not just one step. No, it's not. And I think that, I don't know if you've got this feeling, I, I hope that you do, that the paper that you have written is a springboard for so many other people out there in the community. I, I kind of get that sense for me sitting listening to you that it's an incredibly powerful piece of paper I kind of hope that you you realize that you know you could be onto something that is so incredibly even at this particular point okay you don't know it's where it's landed what's going to happen but it's a galvanization it's something that's part of I think a movement on the point where I think the world's changing in a very dramatic way possibly because of the, the pandemic I think people are starting to question those in charge in a way that I think hasn't happened before but you 
you've got something quite powerful here. I, I kind of hope you realise that at this point. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. And you One know, of the we, things we I'd just like to say love... from a cheeky, cheeky point of view is that um, throw Judy and, and, and Sarah some love through social media or something like that. Show them that you've listened to what, what's going on. Show them you're excited about what they've done. Um, that will go a long way. Thank you, Michael. And thanks, Berenice. That's okay. I, I kind of, I, I'm podcast listeners, well, anyone that knows me on Twitter, perhaps in my non-podcast identity, knows that I kind of get quite frustrated with being disempowered. That's not necessarily about childlessness, but I think that the, the state that we're currently, as of the recording of this episode in the UK with the situation over our government having parties and such during lockdowns and other things that are coming to light um, you can feel like you have absolutely no power at all and there's a thing that I, I, I know from some training that, that I'm sure that you will all know already um, but being probably the, the one that's not the counsellor um, it's um, around the zone of control and what you can control and what you can't control and I kind of think sometimes the podcast and other things that you can do on social media you think okay you're getting a little bit of control you can get it out there and just write something down and that can feel quite empowering um, we've certainly found on the podcast that the episodes that we have around the um the authors and the writers so where we've had Lorna Gibb and Annie Kirby whose whose cover has just come out by the way if, if podcast listeners go over to find Annie Kirby and you can find um the hollow sea cover I've pre-ordered it I'm so excited for August it's ridiculous um but she came on and talked about the starting of her writing career and all about that writing and getting things out there I think is a very cathartic thing. And I just wanted to ask, in writing this paper, did you feel a sense of catharticness about it? Did it feel good? Um, did you feel like you had a, a little bit of control over something that maybe perhaps until now has felt a little bit, oh, it's just out there and you don't quite know where to, to, to put it? I don't know if there's any emotion like that around what you were doing. I, I can talk to that a little bit because um, quite a lot of the... Um, parts of the paper um, because I'm doing a social work masters and and looking primarily at involuntary childlessness so I felt like I'd spent quite a few years squirreling away in a back room of a library just surrounded by books and it kind of felt like um, I kept on coming across stuff that I just this has to get out there this has to get out there and um, I know my experience was that that what happened was I ended up being kind of so overwhelmed with content that that Judy was amazing in that she came in and really worked on on editing and structure and extending different ideas and so it was just this really lovely collaborative process where we we were kind of able to land um so things for, like for example I did a grief and loss subject where I really looked at what does the literature say are the losses and what does the literature say is the psychological impact and so a section of the paper is was able to really unpack some of that um yeah so it it felt good certainly from my perspective to be able to just go let's put this out into the world so it can make change it can make a difference do you know what I mean like it's it's not just about your own inquiry it's where you get to put legs on it and actually start to see change and I imagine 
similar feeling for, for all four of you in terms of the work that you guys do in this space. Um, I, so. I think study can be, I think it's an interesting point. You sit there with books, and I know from doing master's degree myself that you, it can be really isolating, can't it? You can just sit there and you take all this stuff on. And I can remember squeaking in the Cambridge University Library, so Cambridge University Library, it's not quite so kind of, well, actually, no, it's, it's really quite posh. It's very, very academic and it's very, very quiet and I can remember finding something and kind of getting oh like this um, and it was a particular thing that I don't think anyone had touched for a very long time got kind of excited about it and thought well, what do I do with this thing and my masters isn't around it around um, it's around graphic design and typography so it's font nerdy so you know I'm going off on one here with a font you know it's ridiculous isn't it um, but it is quite an isolating experience until you actually get something out there and you've published it and you've done something with it until then. And it sounds like both of you have learned so much from each other in this exploration and this paper too. Absolutely, Veronese. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, Sarah and I both have different strengths and qualities that complement each other so well, which, which makes us a really good team. And, um, and I think, you know, the idea of printing this paper, having a, a written document and the idea of picturing politicians, people, you know, policy makers in a room reading it, you know, imagine if someone's reading this, you know, that yeah. that's not, that that's, that is in a position to kind of go, hey, had you thought about this? You know, this is something we should look at. You know, just that idea is pretty amazing isn't it um you know that's the power of words and the power of writing isn't it that it's it's something set in time i just want to design it and make it go global and viral and everywhere frankly (laughs) i'm just gonna put it in some really cool typefaces and we we get it we get it going every single politician needs to read it because why should they not read it We did a little bit of colour. Like we tried oh, to make oh, look, look. We tried oh, to make it nice. look pretty. We didn't just I do like words. It. I like it. It's a graphic design, you see. We Got need to come back it. to you next next paper. Oh, we do, we oh, do. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Do it. Let's do it. And I will <laughs> I make sure that it goes because the thing is it's a blueprint, isn't it? What you're doing, it feels to me like it's a blueprint that perhaps other people can can contact you and say, look, actually, yeah. I've got this issue as well, because you know, we've got another year, two years, I think it is. I, I forget, Sarah. I can't remember, but, you know, our general election, you know, the local elections, things coming up here too, and so much change going on. And if um there is a change in government um there's an opportunity there that may happen yeah yeah and it's worth you know you literally can go in and and you know make appointments and go and and see certainly your local politicians um like the people that represent your area as a constituent you can go in and say hey these are our concerns and um you know I think for Judy and I this really feels like dipping our toe in the pond and the start of the conversation um like we would love to you know hear other people's input and what 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 policy you know ideas that people have in their local areas and how you know we can cross fertilize each other's you know advocacy advocacy voices and and really support each other um i mean one of the really interesting dilemmas that that we really talked about was that when we talk about that one in five um 
do we join together with people who are child free and childless not by choice or do we work separately but work more in coalition with each other and I think where we landed was that that certainly there's a lot of a lot of issues that we have in common uh, in terms of social exclusion in terms of a lot of other issues but I guess we landed on that if there's going to be a table that there needs to be two seats at the table not just one so that that we didn't feel that we could speak to the child-free experience, but we also didn't com feel confident that child-free people could speak to our story and our, our experience. Um, so I think that was a big uh, part of our decision-making in terms of how do we frame and what do we talk to in terms of the issues. Um, and, you know, there's going to be times when working together, particularly around things like ageing and shared issues are going to be really beneficial. Um, but yeah, that was that was certainly one of the things that we grappled with in terms of of thinking about who do we represent and what is the voice that we're we're putting into the into the public domain. I guess sounds just incredibly powerful. Well, I mean, I was just sitting there without how big your job yeah. is with the government yeah. and all the areas that you're getting into and having two seats at the table and pulling it all together I mean I'm absolutely in awe of what you're what you're doing at the moment I think genuinely I think this is going to galvanize other countries to go do you know what we need to do the same people so excited so I'm just wow 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 yeah. and you know what I think as our community grows there there's so many more there's so many more people that um, want to contribute in certain ways, in a range of ways, you know, that need support in certain ways. Um, but to be active in making change can also be a really powerful part of healing, can't it? That's why we're all here, you know, isn't it? And, and you know, some people do need, you know, counselling support or communities to connect with as part of their, their real kind of griefy work and healing process, but to offer opportunities to do, to do stuff, to be advocates, yeah. to tell stories, is also healing that some people really lean towards. And, and I think as our community grows, offering those opportunities to be involved is, is actually what a lot of people are starting to seek. So how do, how do we create those platforms that enable that? Yeah, that's a really important point, isn't it? I think that we all might be comfortable, I think, talking about our journeys, but it's giving other people the opportunity to do the things that they, to, to, to speak about what they're comfortable about speaking about, whether that's anonymously or perhaps just a little tentative kind of, I've, I've done the thing and I'd like to do that. I think it's a very big part of what we can do, I think, as being perhaps I, I hate using that phrase. I'm going to have to come out because I can't think of another phrase, but community leaders, um, advocates, voices, whatever we want to call ourselves can encourage mm. other people to do that if they feel comfortable. But it's giving the opportunity and the space to do that. And also for those people to tell us, well, what does that look like? How can we do that for you? How can we create that space? And how can we provide that support for you? And we've always been encouraging and we're very very comfortable with other people doing podcasts for example although it comes with lots of warning bells it takes longer than you think um <laughs> bigger than you think and it can grow um 
but again if that's what people feel comfortable doing then you support that too but it's it's getting that direction i think from other people in our community as you say it's creating that space yeah the other thing that I might add to that is also the thing that I've found as I've worked across the community and and this is something that I think about in terms of my own journey was um, I thought that once I was childless that I would it meant like I had to kind of for me to have this really meaningful life without kids um, I I felt like I kind of had to really reinvent myself and I thought does that mean a new career what does that actually mean I guess what I realised is that what I kind of did was I did a little bit of a pivot, but I really, it was like I harvested a whole lot of skills that I already had developed, had grown as a professional um, woman. And and I guess what I've really observed within the community is there's just such an incredible array of incredibly skilled people and that's often one of the things that knocks us sideways is a lot of us have often developed skills and competence and abilities that we bring to the table and childlessness just knocks us sideways in terms of our sense of competence and being able to you know to realize things in our lives but but you know I would really so you know we've talked a lot about this haven't we Judy and Michael is that you, you don't have to necessarily have a public role there's a lot of stuff you can do on the back end for example having somebody who has really solid HR skills and can really work around how do we create workplace inclusion and and diversity policies or, or, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different skills that people bring to the table. It could be, for example, somebody, you know, the work that Judy and I have just done is really kind of working a little bit less with the politicians, but more working with the bureaucrats who, who, who develop the the strategies, who who make the funding decisions, who who roll out a lot of, who have actually a lot of, a lot of impact in terms of how services get delivered. Um, and you know, it could be that that there's somebody who's sitting in a bureaucracy who is listening to this this very podcast and goes, look, I can't take a public role, but I would love to, for example, link with with you know with Sarah and Berenice in the UK and and have a chat with you about how could we have input into government policy there and 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 so I would really encourage even if if you don't feel that you're somebody who could could take a public role and to to really have a look at what are are the ways that I might be able to really have an input and 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 make change um yeah it doesn't have to be standing out there protesting with banners there's a whole range of ways that that we can do that which is really valuable I think whatever people think they might feel now, I, I think what, what you said about how childlessness can really throw us perhaps, and you have to come to terms with that. The, the wonderful phrase that, that, that Jodie has, which is living a life unexpected, is often about evolving perhaps as well, that what you might feel a year ago, even a week ago, a few days ago, you're constantly changing and evolving. and in perhaps coming to ter- the healing, the sense of healing. I'm trying to get the words. My brain's kind of wants to say something and my mouth's not quite engaging. I haven't had enough tea this morning. Um, but it's about that healing process. And something that occurred to me a couple of days ago and the goal setting thing I was talking about. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm okay. And it brought up a couple of stuff where right? we're talking about kind of your I was saying about people being your role models 
And in fact, I had Stella Duffy is one of my um, <laughs> it's one of my role models, because every time I listen to Stella, I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. That makes sense. Um, but who was your kind of it was a film? Who would you be in a film? And I thought, well, actually, today, this is the following day after I said, right, I've got the role models. I've got the soundtrack. I know what my goal is. This is what I'm doing. And the following day, someone said, well, if a person was in a film, who would they be? Your, your goal is the film. And I thought, well, actually, right now, it feels like it would be Miss Havisham running around mourning a life that she didn't have because today I woke up feeling that I didn't feel like I had a voice. I didn't feel, I felt frustrated, annoyed and directionless by a life that I didn't have. It's not a linear process. We don't go from kind of from, from grieving to counselling to getting, yeah, I'm better and I can talk about this stuff. Sometimes you cycle backwards again a little bit too and that's okay. But sometimes talking about it and actually having new directions, new friends, because let's face it, none of us would know each other, I don't think, had we not have been through the journey we had. I, mm. The podcast would not exist. Mm. And that would actually be quite sad. Your work, your paper would not exist mm. if this had not happened. And that's quite a sobering thought, but also an empowering thought, I think, mm. as well. And it's that thing, isn't it, where, um, and I'm sure Judy will have a lot to say about this as well, is that that sense of I have to, it's almost like a myth of I have to have gotten over this before I can be contributing or before I can be, you know, living that meaningful life, whereas it's the two happen together. It's the, the grief coexists with, you know, the reconstruction, the, the, the living, the, the forward-looking um, it's a bit like how I look at our, our logo with the equalizers and they're kind of equalizer things for sound. But often I think I look at them and think, well, are they representative of where we are in our journey? Where they sit yeah. on the logo and the little bars and is one higher and lower than the other because that's how we feel at the time. Or maybe when we started the podcast, there's some kind of thing within that. Is that why we did that? And it's it's not, but actually there's a depth to that too in the you know we go up and down and I know when we first started the podcast we were in different states of healing I know that we all none of us were were better none of us were healed none of us felt that we got to the end of something when we started doing that podcast and there's a phrase that I learned a couple of weeks ago which is just launch the damn thing and it's actually mm. is a website that I wish I had created and I wish that I did the work that the lady did owns a website does and gosh I want that URL but it's true launch the damn thing it might not be perfect it might not be 100% but if it's 50% there then there might well be somebody else that'll come out and go yeah okay I can help you with that oh yes. and that yes. might impact on somebody else who's feeling a little bit low not quite in the right place but actually they know they've got a skill that they had before this grief struck them that they could use and utilize and then that becomes a movement of change. It might be very small, but it's 1% builds 1% builds 1% builds 1%. And you know, um, if you do 1% of change each day, then I think you know, you, over a course of a year, it's 37% of change. Something I read in a, in a book that I, I've been reading at the moment on atomic habits and how 1% of change, one bit of reading, 1% of reading can make you change incrementally over the year rather than thinking you've got to change the world overnight that doesn't happen yeah. Yeah. um it never happens but incremental changes can make a difference and his stuff that's james clear isn't it his it his is yeah stuff's amazing yeah 
Yeah, I wasn't sure. I go, I read some of these books and think, yeah, okay. But the cover design looked nice, which is always a good start with me. Yeah, um, yeah the cover looks nice. I quite like the typography and the interior yeah. pages are well designed and there's no yeah. bigots and orphans so I will read this thing and actually once I got over that bit I found actually this is really really interesting and really quite useful I'm only halfway through but I feel like it's something that it could be quite powerful for lots of people the book yeah yeah and look one of the things I love about James's way of conceptualizing this is he talks about rather than because he's very habit-based but mm. rather than um Rather than goal setting, so for example, we might, as childless people, go, my goal is to live this, you know, happy life or, or this really good life or significant life or whatever our goal might be. He talks about it being more about um, rather than, for example, setting that goal. Um, and an example you could use might be, for example, to lose weight, which might be, a, uh, you know, to lose yeah. 40 pounds. Yeah. He talks about it as being more embedded in your identity. So it's about who is it that I want to be and how do I embed that into my kind of everyday choices and habits of my life? So if, for example, I want to be someone who's fit and healthy, then it's like, what, what is it that somebody who's fit and healthy is doing? And to really gently allow yourself to kind of gently make choices and be that person. Yeah. Um, and I guess that kind of applies for us in terms of rather than me having to kind of get over my grief and then I get to have to work on the life it's like what is somebody who's living a life you know you know a, 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 a you know a life that's meaningful who's childless if that's what I want to be what are the ways that I might be doing that in a really gentle way in my life now um and I guess one of the myths that I really want to bust is this idea of that everybody has to get over it and has to let go and and get past it before they can start to create that in their lives. Um, and I know for me, I live with with chronic sorrow, which is a form of grief that you know it you're generally quite functional in the world, but it comes up and it needs to be tended to, and then it you know you tend to it and it you know you keep going, but you know that there's going to be more layers to it, and it's potentially going to be for me lifelong. I don't know. Um, I'm not. I, I haven't completely dismissed the idea that maybe at some point I'll get over it but I also haven't dismissed the point that maybe I won't and that I can actually live and create a meaningful life out of that and while I'm experiencing that and I'm sure you'd see that heaps in your practice Judy in terms of the women Absolutely. that you're working with and and like you say Sarah it's it's kind of busting that 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 myth and that um, perception that we have to get over something, you know, or that we even can just get over something as big as the grief and loss that we experience as childless people. Um, so, you know, it's an unreal, unrealistic expectation. And it's, it's that kind of perception that, that society can put on us. And that women that I work with all the time kind of experience that feeling of, I feel like I'm just expected to get over it and therefore I have to get over it in terms in order to get on with it and it's just not true so that process of actually kind of like Berenice was talking about the the up and down the going back and forth between feeling those losses and 
being in life and doing the things that actually restore us and help us feel that we are connecting with life and purpose. It's not one or the other. They, they can coexist. And I guess that's the part that we, we want to share with people more and more and, and share ways of how to, to live that kind of life that we might desire with our, our loss there with us, but, but not overpowering everything that we can have both. And it's a much more realistic and compassionate way, I think, to be with ourselves and with each other. Yeah. I, it, I really get the sense that this, this is part of your healing then, this project, this, this massive piece of work. I mean, it's kind of, as you say, I don't think we get over it. I think it's a journey, isn't it? It's, you know, even as a therapist, I never promise somebody that they're just going to get over it and then happy days, they're off it'll always be in our hearts won't it but that doesn't stop us building something important making change galvanizing other people and I think what you've shown is that if you've got the will the time (laughs) the dedication you can actually put something together really meaningful and make that big change but if you don't want to be that front you know that that front of it you don't want to be famous you can sit in the background but still have that meaningful purposeful life you can be part of something bigger and I think our community you know for our healing individually and as a community as a whole we need these things don't we to be able to see that actually we have a right to be at the table we have a right to be seen and we need to be acknowledged Mm. that's really what I take away from this Mm. episode so I'm absolute awe of the work that you're all doing I think it is just so so important that we're doing this so thank you Thank you. And we're in awe of you. You guys have been just amazing. Just such a powerful voice for our community. And we're just so grateful. Thank you. That means an awful lot. You're going to make me cry. Yeah, don't make Michael cry. He hasn't cried for about three episodes. So we're doing quite well so far. I think he's going to go for a hat trick. (laughs) I actually actually had a cry a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, We went for lunch with, uh, with Sue Dowry and... And we started talking about things and we started talking about the podcast and oh, I can feel it coming now. But um, the testimonial page, I start, I, I just sort of got test up and that was it. Oh, because, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's an important, it's what, what we do is an important part of my life. And, and, you know, talk, talking with Judy and Sarah, um, you know, it's, they're doing some great things, but like we've, like we've recognized it, it, it we don't all have to put that much effort in, but together, as a community, to, we can, you know, we can make, you know, we can, we can change the world. That's what I believe. Yeah. And um, together we're stronger. Yeah. It's, we are. We are. Yeah. You know, that's, <clears throat> you know, that that's like with the with the Aussie group. We're trying to get together. You know, we realise that it's not just one person. It's going to be a number of people that are going to make Absolutely. this work. And, you know, I remember when we had that big discussion about do we make it childless or child-free or just childless, and I I remember I think where we landed was actually saying, hey, if we're having a bad day, it would be so nice to be part of a group and an organisation where we don't have to explain ourselves if we're feeling vulnerable, if we just need to have a little cry or just step back and go, that's just too much for me now, I'm just needing a little bit of space that we don't, that 
we're surrounded by people who hold it and who just get it and 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 that's okay yeah no, definitely definitely and just to change just to change it onto a different tact um judy judy graham is now putting all her time into the childless space as well just like sarah does and just like you do sarah lawrence as well and i think berenice must do because she's she's making she's making up hours out of nothing to do both her work and and then the podcast to be fair, I but, mostly um, just look at fonts, Michael. I look at <laughs> I look at a font and go, oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, but yes. <laughs> Judy, um, yeah, I'd just like to congratulate Judy on, on going full time womanhood as well. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. Um, Congratulations, yeah. Judy. That's yeah, amazing. Congrats. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it, it feels like another another step. You know, we've been talking about taking these little steps that move you in a direction and. Yeah, I, I started Womenhood 18 months ago part-time while I was also providing other supportive care for an organisation. But um, I, I love the work. You know, I, I really do meet wonderful people and it feels like all the skills and training that I've done in my life experience to date have kind of really come together and support me to provide best service to, to women in our community and it, it feels like the right timing and I've got the the capacity to be able to offer this service full time so yeah I, f I feel so pleased that I can actually just put all my energy into that and I, I'm not thinking about other other stuff uh, you know for half of my week so it, it means that yeah I have a lot more capacity to to think about this stuff to to have these meetings with Sarah where we conjure up ideas and and work and and also provide that the counseling support to to women across Australia so yeah thank you very much now I think it's important for us to to, to recognize what's you know what is the whole part of this this episode was to recognize what's going on in our community and the podcast can be that vehicle to to let people know because it can be you know, so inspirational, you know, and, and you know, you working full time with womanhood now, and Sarah full time with um, the Empty Cradle. You know, these are the things we need to we need to celebrate. We need to talk about so that that it can inspire and and give comfort to our community as well. To know mm. that there's all this going on. Yeah, and Sarah Lawrence, you've done an amazing job of bringing together a network of therapists across the globe so oh, judy and i you. find really supportive for our work as well which is amazing oh it's been a big old loving today we do i think it's exactly what people need right now um i was writing the newsletter for the january episode um last night and a little bit this morning and um i was thinking i started it sort of well actually yeah a peaceful new year is what we're wishing people um in that because it feels like it's going to be another complex year but happy new year seems very um a strange thing to say in the circumstances and sometimes well i think every time when we do an episode we need to have a, a collective bit of a love in because we love the listeners, we love our community so very much and goodness knows we wouldn't be anywhere where we are today without the people that are behind us. So 
massive thank you to everyone that supported all of us here on our journey as well. Yeah. yeah That's a good place to end it, don't you? Yeah. yeah well, thank you to Sarah and Judy for coming. Thank on. you so very it's much. Incredible. It's been absolutely lovely. Yeah. I feel very empowered, and I want to go out and and I actually do want to go out and do some placards. I have to say, they'll be beautifully designed placards, but I feel like I'm in a in a <laughs> space of placards at the moment. And that's the end of the episode. Now, please don't forget to go over to Sarah and Judy's social media pages and show them some love because they are doing some great things. Now, you can find Judy at Womanhood and Sarah at The Empty Cradle. Please reach out to us if you have a burning topic that we have not covered or you might want some more info on the content of this episode or you may even have an idea that we have never thought about. So please reach out to us and you can find all our contact details at www.fullstoppod.com And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. Yeah. Right, enough of the loving. <laughs> <laughs> this has been it wonderful. Was, it was such um, a touchy feely. You're amazing was. episode. So are you. Such sharks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get away with it. I'll go on you. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's been really refreshing this episode, actually. Don't you think? <laughs>